Welcome to Proven Improbable, where we deliver mining insights and bullion sales in the form of physical delivery, offshore depositories, and private blockchain distributed ledger technology. Welcome to Proven Improbable. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Joining us for a conversation is Freeman Smith, the Vice President of Exploration for Riverside Resources. Mr. Smith, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to have you on the program to discuss the latest developments coming from Riverside Resources, where knowledge is golden. Mr. Smith, you have some exciting developments to share with us regarding Riverside Resources footprint expansion in Ontario. Freeman, take us to Ontario and provide us with some historical mining context on the province. Uh, I think we know that Ontario is one of the larger mining districts in the world, particularly the Greenstone Belt, and uh, one of the most famous being Timmins, which has produced the uh, several hundred million ounces over its lifetime and has a lot more to share with us. Uh, a lesser known but not uh, more lesser insignificant is the Geraldton Greenstone Belt, which is just to the west of the Timmins Greenstone Belt. And it hosts a number of deposits. The one that's quite interesting and got us into the area is the Hard Rock uh, Gold Deposit, which is currently at about eight and a half million ounces in reserves and resources. You know, speaking of the Geraldton Belt, Mr. Smith, please provide us some context on for today's discussion by introducing the Beardmore Geraldton Gold Belt. Well, Beardmore Geraldton, as the name implies, uh, extends from a little town called Beardmore uh, east to another town called Geraldton, which is uh, a larger mining district with quite a history. Uh, the nearest city would be Thunder Bay to the south and Timmins to the east. It's probably in the order of 250 kilometers long and about 40 kilometers wide. And it hosts a number of deposits, both uh, past and present. Uh, it's a, one of the reasons we're there is because of uh, Greenstone's activity in the area. I think we'll, we'll probably get to that in detail in a second. Germain to the Beardmore Geraldton Gold Belt, Riverside has made a strategic acquisition there. Please introduce us to the newest project in the property bank. Okay, the newest project is called the Pachette. It's named after the original prospector that uh, prospected in the area and found the Pachette showing, which was near our project boundary. Uh, it's high-grade gold in shear zones, very similar to other deposits and mines in the area. Uh, looking at the Geraldton Greenstone Belt, this is a generalization of the whole area. The trend seems to be with mines tending along the road here. The big, the big elephant in the room, the one we're, the reason we're there, the one that attracted us to the area is, is called the uh, Hard Rock Deposit. It's been known about for a while and it was developed by Premier Mining and eventually they brought in the partner with Sentara Gold and they've uh, been talking about production and going into production in the near future. Uh, that deposit itself with reserves and resources is over 8 million ounces. So. By, on world standards, it's it's of high quality and it's a, an elephant by any means. Our project in particular has a very similar geology in that it has a steeply dipping metavolcanic units that are plunging gently to the west. Uh, this is a, what they found the bulk of their mineralization in at, at Geraldton, and it's what originally attracted us, attracted us into the area. That and and the general jurisdiction being high and gold. You can see all the little red dots on the map. Those are um, prospects where people have sampled gold and have done uh, 
small amounts of work, whether it be prospecting or drilling, you can't tell from the map, but you can see that the area is pretty prolific for its, uh, its gold. Freeman, why is this the right project for Riverside Resources and why now? Well, as you know, we're uh, expanding out of Canada, uh, expanding into Canada out of Mexico, something we've been doing all summer. Uh, we like this part of Canada because of the past exploration uh, success and the past uh, mining production, particularly high-grade gold. Uh, the leach mine, very close to one of our projects and close to the, the shed is in the order of uh, an ounce per ton, which is uh, high-grade by any standard anywhere in the world. But also you can, if you notice looking at the diagram, there's a highway going right through it. That's one of the major corridors and arteries for Ontario. Uh, it has access and situated right along it is a major power line and a natural gas pipeline, uh, the Canadian National Pipeline, actually. So uh, access to those power, water, uh, road, uh Mining expertise, particularly in Geraldton and Thunder Bay, it's all, all kind of wrapped up in one little package for this area. Um, International Airport at Thunder Bay, oh, maybe two hours to the south. So that's a good place to be working. Which, which Freeman, if I may interject here, that's, that's, a very, that's very intriguing for a joint venture or prospective joint venture partner there. It looks like you've reduced a lot of the capital expenditures by strategically having this location here in the Pachego project. Absolutely. I think that's one of the biggest attractions to the area. I, I like the idea of being able to drive my uh, Honda Accord up to the drill pad, you know, <laughs> kind, of, kind of one of the, one of the attractions for this area for sure. And as you may probably already know, the permitting in Canada in general and Ontario is, uh, is excellent. Uh, typically you apply for a permit and you have your answer within 50 days. So right now we've um, got permits for most of our projects, not for shit yet because it's just a new discovery. We've only been looking at it for a month, but uh, we anticipate permits in place uh, before Christmas or shortly after. Um, permitting in Ontario is pretty straightforward. It's a matter of filling out the right forms, um, connecting and contacting with First Nations and uh, telling them what you're going to do. And after that, there's a pretty simple procedure that you go through to get to the point of uh, being able to drill. Now, Freeman, one more thing that's important here is, what is the relationship with the natives there? The First Nations in Ontario, they're pretty progressive as far as uh, mining and mineral exploration goes. They, they understand the industry, so that always makes things easier in that they know what you're doing and they're, they're not suspicious of uh, that maybe something they don't wanna see happen in their territories is happening. But these particular bands in this area, we've already discussed with them and met with them and talked to our talked to them about our projects in details. They're generally um, encouraging. They, they like to see the idea of jobs coming into the area. They like to see uh, what they think of as uh, their lands being developed for their future generations as well. Um, their big concerns are always environmental, which is something that we, of course, would be um, looking at and paying very, good, very close attention to anyways. Now, what type of work has Riverside conducted in the field and what has your attention there the most? Uh, we went, we spent the, the good part of the month of November in the colder weather looking, uh, looking at what had been done in the past. There has been two drilling uh, campaigns on the property. Uh, some of this 
core is on site and some of it is being stored in, in Thunder Bay at the ministry's warehouse, core warehouse. Um, we looked at that first before we went in the field to get an idea for what we might expect to see on surface. And we spent uh, several days to a week uh, driving the new roads. So the area has been recently logged, so it's opened up the area. And, of course, logging has roads, which um, are what essentially are known as trenches to geologists. <laughs> they provide excellent exposure. So we drove these roads. Uh, we did some mapping, sampling, prospecting, and uh, carried out uh, looking at the old trenches and the old drilling areas to see what we could learn there. And then uh, we got chased out by the snow. So that was it for this season. But. Has Riverside identified prospective drill targets yet? Yes, we've identified a number of targets related to contact zones and faults, which is fairly typical for orogenic deposits in Ontario. Uh, this sketch here is uh, a generalized map, but what it does show is, is a large contact between uh, the metasads and the metavolcanics. And along this, this fault-bounded contact, you do find mineralization. Uh, you will find mineralization here, but also in the larger faults within the metavolcanics. This one in particular is uh, conformable with a, with a banded iron formation. Banded iron formation is sometimes responsible for hosting mineralization. Sometimes it's in pro close proximity. And in the Geraldton Greenstone Belt, it seems that uh, you always find this character playing part a part of the role, whether he's directly hosting the mineralization or whether he's part of the package. It seems that uh, the banded affirmations are always nearby. Uh, and much much like Geraldton, you see these other boxes here that are described as nose folds. And uh, in Geraldton and elsewhere, you see deposition along the nose of the folds and you even see this in, in Campbell and Campbell Lake and other areas where uh, um, people are, are going back to old mineralized areas and, and looking at the structural geology and, and mapping out where these this mineralization may be trending. And that's common. <clears throat> what happens is we, we tend to set up our drills and we drill we drill on centers and uh, and continue drilling until the program's finished, not getting a chance to actually look at the structural geology, which is odd often one of the more important components of, of the deposition and hosting of the mineralization. So in summary, I guess we have two types of potential hosts here. One would be shear hosted and the other would be uh, structurally hosted within the nose of folds. Now, Freeman, can you please walk us through the cross section? It's a, this one's a fairly fairly simplified and basic croc session, but for the most part, it, we're in what is known as the southern uh, volcanic panel or belt of the beardmore Geraldton greenstone belt. And most of these panels, they dip steeply to the south, which I, it doesn't show here exactly, but those are dipping to the south. And, and then you have, um, to the south, you have a an intrusive body here, which is a, usually a good thing to see. Uh, there's your heat source and maybe your engine for moving mineralized fluids around and concentrating them. And then to the north, which is gray, you have the metasedimentary rocks. And this, these rocks in themselves can be fairly good hosts, but they're also they're also letting you know that you're close to a uh, important 
train boundary, which is mapped by the uh, the fault there, the squiggly black lines. And this is also an area where you may find mineralization as well. Before we close, what is the next unanswered question at the Pichette? When can we expect an answer and what determines success? I think the, the immediate uh, next step would be getting permits. Now that we've completed our conversations and consultation with First Nations, I think we should be receiving those before Christmas. Uh, that'll allow us to either go back out ourselves or go back out with a partner. And what will determine success in that respect will be uh, access, and we have excellent access. So getting out to do what we want to do should be fairly simple at this point in the stage once we get permits. And let me ask you this, Mr. Smith, how about uh, geophysics? Geophysics is something that we consider like the next step. Uh, we've defined targets, but I think geophysics is the way to confirm and uh, further support your theories for targeting and drilling. And that would be uh, something we look at doing early in the new year, if possible, possibly extending maybe into the spring. Mr. Smith, for someone listening that wants to get more information on Riverside Resources, please share the contact details. Riveres.com. As a reminder, Riverside Resources trades on the TSXV symbol RRI and on the OTCQB symbol RVSDF. Before you make your next bullion purchase, make sure you call me. I'm a licensed representative for Miles Franklin Precious Metals Investments, where we provide a number of options to expand your precious metals portfolio from physical delivery, offshore depositories, precious metal IRAs, and private blockchain distributed ledger technology. Call me directly at 855-505-1900 or you may email maurice at milesfranklin.com. Finally, we invite you to subscribe to provenandprobable.com where we provide mining insights and bullion sales. Riverside Resources is a sponsor of Proven and Probable and we are proud shareholders for the virtues conveyed in today's message. Freeman Smith of Riverside Resources, Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.